0: I'm always appalled when I'm talking with someone and we're talking about food, and they say they don't like sweets. It's like that's crazy. Or worse yet, they say they don't like chocolate. What's wrong with them? They're sick. They need help. We're in Vermont. Vermont has. This sticky stuff that they get out of trees called maple syrup. you like maple syrup? Mm, Sweet, isn't it? I, I was checking online. It takes about 40 gallons of sap to make a gallon of maple syrup. That's a lot of sap. Maple syrup's good stuff. Sweet. Well, I've lived in a bunch of states, and I hate to tell you Vermonters, there's something sweeter than maple syrup. Hmm. Think about that one for a little bit. We'll, get, we'll come back to that. We're going to be in Psalm 19. Yes, I love Hebrew. I love Hebrew because Hebrew helps me understand the word of God. And I love the Word of God because the Word of God helps me understand the God of the Word. And that's our purpose, isn't it? To know Him and to make Him known. The, the Word of God is not an end in itself. There are, there are scholars out there who do not believe a word of this book. And they study it intently, far more intently than you do. Because it's just an interesting book. Psalm 19. It's one of the three Torah psalms. My students, can you remember what the three Torah psalms are? 1, 19, 119. Isn't that easy? There'll be a test on that later. (laughs) Today is, interestingly enough, a Jewish holiday, Shemini Esret. It's the eighth day of the festival of Sukkot, or booths. Outside of Israel, the eighth day of the festival is actually celebrated as two days. That custom for Jewish holidays began back in the days when the calendar was not always fixed. And so areas outside of Jerusalem didn't always know for sure which day to celebrate something. So they would celebrate it two days just to make sure. So this, uh, this is the first day of Shemini Atzeret, And the second day is called Simchat Torah, Okay, Hebrew scholars, Simchat Torah—the joy of the law. Gold star, or sometimes I put on papers a little blue smiley face. If you ever got one of those, treasure it. Not everybody, not everybody gets one of those. <laughs> The joy of the law. Because on the Simchat Torah, they complete the annual cycle of the Torah readings in the synagogue. You know how they celebrate finishing their cycle through the Torah? They start again. So on Simchat Torah, they actually finish Deuteronomy and begin Genesis again on the same day. And they do that for a reason. And I'll leave you to figure that one out. Psalm nineteen. It falls into three stanzas or three sections. The first stanza is verses one through six, in which God God's glory is shown through his creation. Verse verse one through the beginning of verse four is a general Creation shares with us a word about God's greatness without saying a word. Isn't that an oxymoron? Words without words. But God's glory is seen in creation. In Romans chapter 1, I try not to flip around too much, lest I lose you. But in Romans chapter 1, verse 20 for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are mankind. They are without excuse. God's glory is seen in creation. And if you've, if you've ever stood at the ocean and looked at the vastness of it, stood on a hilltop on a dark, starry night and looked at the stars, seen the northern lights, watched a raging storm on the ocean. Can't say that I've seen a raging storm on the ocean. But I saw one on Lake Superior one night. Wow. Lake Superior, just this little puddle up there in northern Michigan. The waves were pounding off the breakwater at Marquette Harbor and and spewing like 50, 60 feet up into the air. The glory of God is seen in creation. This is what, what theologians, this is our theologian way back there. General revelation. Right? General revelation. Because creation itself testifies to the power of God. But David narrows it down. This is a Davidic psalm. David narrows it down a little bit more because he talks about the sun. In the end of verse 4 through verse 6. In them he, God, has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. So he focuses in on the sun. He says, he says if, if, if the vastness of creation alone is not enough to convince you, of the incredible power of God. Look at the sun. Now, in fact, the matter is, most of us aren't up yet when the sun comes up, right? We we try and sleep past that if we can. Yep. Seeing lots of nods. But think about the sun. Every day it shines. And it's... It, it shines as bright today as it did when I was a kid. There ain't much that still shines as bright now as it did when I was a kid. <laughs> but if the clouds are not, are not getting in the way, that the sun is just as bright as ever. And it comes up right on time every day. Like it's eager to run a race. And he uses that, that metaphor. Comes out of his, it comes out like a bridegroom, groom leaving his chamber. <clears throat> Back in biblical times, it wasn't the bride that was important at the wedding, it was the groom. I know that may shock some of you. But the groom was was like a king on that day. And he would dress in his best. And on that appointed day, he would go over to the home of his intended and take her from the home and take her to his home. So He would come out of his chamber looking like a triumphant king going to get his bride. And that's the picture that he gives us here. The sun comes up like that, glorious, bright. You can't look directly at it unless you've got some of those welder's glasses. And I don't think David had any of those welder's glasses. I may be wrong on that, but I don't think so. The heavens declare the glory of God, the glory of God. Notice verse one: the heavens declare the, the glory of God. The Hebrew word El. You've heard El Shaddai, okay, God Almighty. You've heard someone talk about El Elyon, the God Most High. That's that's the word. It's a, it's a kind of a generic word for God. The Canaanites used, <clears throat> used that same word. It's the word, a form of the word that's used in Genesis 1 and two when it's talking about creation. You notice the, the, the covenant-keeping name of God that we're going to talk about in a moment, isn't used in Genesis one and two. It just talks about God. God created, the mighty one. Created. And the psalmist David uses the same terminology here. The heavens declare the glory of El. So the first section of the psalm talks about general revelation, the second part of the psalm talks about special revelation. Remember, if your theology, special revelation consists of the word of God and the son of God. Right? Because Jesus is the ultimate incarnation expression of the glory of God. When David was writing, Jesus hadn't come yet. Oh, they had had some, some prophecies that he would come, but yeah, it. They weren't there yet. Special revelation, the word of God. Now think about this. David. Okay, when did when did David reign? Ten ten. 10, 10. Wow, somebody remembers. Gold star. About ten ten. How much of the word of God had been written by the time of David? Well, the law of Moses was written about 1400 BC. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, probably. Not much else. So for David, the word of God was, by and large, the law of Moses, the Pentateuch, the Torah. Let's look at this second section, verses 7 through 9, 7 through 10. The law, the Torah of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. That's not the way we look at the law, is it? We, we, We tend to want to put down the law, but for the Old Testament saint, for a saint like David, the law of God was... God's instruction to him on how to live, and he loved it. Now, for us, we look back and we say, man, that's the old stuff. I, I do think Dr. Alan Ross is right when he says of this psalm that even though it talks about the Torah and uses terms that are widely used in Deuteronomy and in Proverbs to describe God's word, God's law, God's commandments, God's precepts, God's statutes. In the context of this psalm, in the context of the word of God, I think David would say this applies to all of God's revelation to us in the word of God. I don't think we're stretching to go there, and I think think Dr. Alan Ross is right on that. The law of the law of the Lord is good; it's good stuff. Verse eleven. Moreover, by them, those rules, those commandments, those precepts, by them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. The word of God provides for us both warning and reward. How many things can you think of that do both? Now, if you see a sign on, on a door, usually a heavy steel door in a big building like this, and it, and it says, warning, high voltage inside. Don't mess with this stuff. There's no reward in that, is there? It's just a warning. Usually we don't get things that are a warning and a reward, and yet God's Word, by warning us from things that God doesn't like, that are not fit to His character, also provides us a path of reward. That's amazing. We think, of, we think of the law. If we think of the law, we think of oh, punishment. Cross this line, I dare you, and you will get zapped. That's not the way David saw the law of God. There's both warning and reward. So the, the special revelation of God is something special indeed. Something that not everybody gets. The fact that you have one in your lap or a device that has that text on it in your lap is an amazing privilege. I hope you appreciate that. Not everybody has ready access to that text. David then concludes in verses 12 through 14 by expressing his desire that God would use that word to to correct him, to make him right, and would accept the meditations of his heart. Look at verses 12 and 13. Who can discern his errors, declare me innocent from hidden faults, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. David realizes that the role of the word of God in his life is to keep him on the right track. And to correct him when he puts his foot wrong. Sounds a little bit like this this verse that Paul wrote, you know something about you know all Scripture is inspired and profitable and you know useful and stuff like that. Maybe Paul was reading this psalm. I don't know. He concludes with verse fourteen. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, The psalm used the word L in verse 1 for God, and it only uses it once in the psalm, verse 1. But you notice verse 7, Lord, Lord. 8, Lord, Lord. 9, Lord. Lord, verse 14, O Lord. In every case, if you've got any of the modern translations, it's all caps, which is a convention that our modern translations use to point out that this is the translation of the Tetragrammaton, the holy name of the Lord, the personal name of the Lord. That expresses his covenant keeping relationship with his people, Israel in the Old Testament. The word of the Lord. It's God's message to us. Now, if you were paying any attention at all, and I'm not counting on that, but if you're paying any attention at all, you know I I skipped a verse. What verse did I skip? 10. Let's look at verse 10, because that's where I want to focus the rest of our time. More to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, in the drippings of the honeycomb. Let's focus on the last half of that verse. There's lots of things we could say about the Word of God. I mean, we, could, we can go to, to Hebrews chapter 4 and talk about how the Word of God is sharp. We could, we could go to Isaiah 55 and talk about how the Word of God is effective. We could go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and talk about how it's useful. But I want to talk with you this morning about how sweet it is. Maple syrup's pretty sweet. You don't just sit and drink that stuff out of the bottle, okay? At least I don't. There might be some who would... would. The, The word here, sweeter than honey. This word... Hebrew word, can refer to bee's honey. In the Samson episode with with the the honey taken from the lion, clearly it's talking about bee's honey. But in some other passages and in some of the cognate languages and in Semitic languages, this word could also refer to the the syrups made from dates or grapes. What do those have in common? They're sweet and they're sticky. Well, I think sweetness is probably the thing that's that's in mind here. Sweeter than honey. Sweeter than the drippings of the honeycomb. This word drippings and the word translated honeycomb are somewhat uncertain, but in the, the other uses of them, the rare uses, they appear to be talking about Bee's honey and the honeycomb. So I think David here in this verse is talking about bee's honey. Sweet stuff. Especially if it's made from the right kinds of flowers, right? Natural honey. Who wouldn't want some honey? It's sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Psalm 119. Wait a minute. That's another one of the Torah Psalms. Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You vermonters can keep that maple syrup. I've got something sweeter than that. Proverbs 24, verse 13 says, My son, eat honey, for it is good. Yes, the honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. But in another proverb, he warns about eating too much. Proverbs 25, 16 says, Have you found honey? Eat only what you need, that you not have it in excess and vomit it out. You can have too much honey. When our kids were small, we, my wife and I, went to a pastor's retreat. We were part of a pastor's fellowship there in the in the Great Plains, and we went to this pastor's retreat, and we took our daughter with us. And so, after one of the meetings, they were, they were serving, you know, cookies and things like that. And I'm talking with some of the guys, and. My wife is talking with some of the ladies, and Jessica's getting into the cookies. And she would come to me, and she would say, can I have a cookie? Well, yeah, I mean, she had one, but she can have a second one. Well, what I didn't know is she'd been doing the same thing to her mama. She had about 10 of them. We got back to our room that night, and guess who got sick? I don't know if she still remembers that. So, okay, the word of God is sweeter than honey, and you can't have too much honey because it'll make you sick. So, argument from analogy, you, you don't want too much of the word of God, right? There's no, the word of God is sweeter than honey, and you can have as much as you want. The more, the better. Why am I focusing on this verse? One verse out of this psalm. Because you're college students in a Bible college. And you go to Bible classes and you get the word of God. And you go to business classes and counseling classes. And they give you more of the word of God. And you go to chapel Hey, I've been in schools a long time. I've sat through more chapels, good and bad, than you can possibly imagine. I know. And you go to chapel, and you get more of the word of God. And then you have dorm devotions. Right? You have dorm devotions here? Dorm devotions. And you get more. And some of you... Make it tired of it. You can't have too much of the Word of God. So, how do you do that? How do you soak all that in? Let me suggest to you four things, four steps. One, recognize. You writing this down? Recognize that the word of God is more desirable than the sweetest, most desirable thing you can think of. Part of it is your attitude. If you come to it thinking, oh, not again, how are you going to take it? An adult, we'll say a man, dress nice nice shoes, it's raining. He comes to a mud puddle. What does he think? Oh, man, I don't want to get in the mud puddle. My shoes will get wet. My shoes will get muddy. I'll get mud on the cuff of my pants. His perspective is that mud puddles are bad. A three-year-old comes to the mud puddle. Yeah, you're laughing because you know that kid's going to walk right up to the edge of the mud puddle. Their toes are going to be right on the edge of the water. And they're going to look at it. And they're going to look back at mom. And then they're going to jump, right? Leap up into the air, splash in the middle of that puddle. Water is going everywhere, all over mom, all over dad, all over everything. And then they're going to do this little dance in the mud puddle, stomping and splashing and giggling. Say mud puddle. What is the difference between the two? It's the attitude they come to the mud puddle with. If you're going to survive classes in this building, in twice-weekly chapels and dorm devotions, you've got to, every time you come to the word of God, you've got to recognize, you've got to set your mind that this is the sweetest thing you could ever get your hands on. Recognize the sweetness of the word of God. Number two, expect. Expect. What you read to meet some need in your life, there needs to be that sense of expectation now i'm not I'm not talking about you know you, somebody reads a verse and you just jump right from from the verse to application. No, 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 don't you do that? You'd be like the kid you know in the days when you know you found the will of God by just opening your Bible randomly and and opens his Bible and he puts his finger down and it says and Judas hung himself you, you older folks have probably heard this one some of these young kids probably have never heard this yeah, well that's kind of weird so he closes his Bible and he opens it up again he sticks his finger on it and it says go thou and do likewise no that's not how we find the, the, the meaning of the word of God meaning first, then application. But come to it with the expectation that the word of God is going to speak to you. And it might not always be seemingly pleasant. Sometimes it's correcting us. Sometimes the word of God takes us to the woodshed. Oh, you kids are too young to know about the woodshed. Recognize the sweetness of the word of God. Expect that it will speak to you. Appreciate the sweetness. I mean, what do you do if you get a candy bar? I mean, you want to enjoy it, right? So, I mean, you set it aside till later when you can sit down and enjoy it and you break that piece of that chocolate off and you stick it in your mouth and it just kind of melts in your mouth and you're kind of swashing it around mm, savoring it. I know it's almost lunchtime, you're getting hungry, right? Savor it. If if you charge into your devotions, it's I've got to read three chapters, that's all there is to it. I've just got to get this over with. How much are you going to get out of it? Maybe some, because the word of God works whether we want it to or not. Okay. But sit down and savor it. Enjoy it. Appreciate it. It's good stuff. Recognize, expect, appreciate, delight in that sweetness. Can you enjoy the word of God? Can you have fun in the word of God? Have you ever had the experience, you get, you got a package of cookies or maybe a bag of chips. And you open it up and you think, yeah, I'm going to have a couple. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden you realize you've eaten half the bag. Right? We've all done that. <laughs> Tripper says no he hasn't he's lying he's lying i know he is no i said i'll eat the whole thing oh you'll just eat the whole thing okay <clears throat> delight in it sometimes you just need to sit down and you open your bible and you, you you start reading in the psalms you start reading in the proverbs or you start reading in isaiah Pick something you like and just enjoy it. You know, those are the times when I, I, I I'm gonna read a few Psalms and I start in Psalm 1 and all of a sudden I'm in Psalm 34 and I go, what happened? Recognize, expect, appreciate, delight. Now, if you're paying attention, what acronym did I just give you? Read, 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 read. What a privilege that we have printed texts, and we can all have one. Most of us have several. Some of us have whole shelves of them in several languages. And we can read. Reading the word should be a delight not a duty a go to not a got to is the bible your go to when you're tired when you're hurting when you're confused when you're puzzled should be something you savor not suffer Am I getting carried away with the alliterations? Let me give you a few more. (laughs) It should be something we crave. Because when we crave the word of God, it will show in our conversations with people. And that craving is contagious. You think COVID is contagious? No. You love the word of God, if that's your go-to. It'll show. Once you develop a real taste for the Word of God, when it becomes your treat, not your trial, you'll never have much trouble having devotions. So I'm not going to urge you to have devotions today. I'm Sorry for those of you who have been urging the students to have devotions. Once you really taste the sweetness of it, you won't be able to help but have devotions. You won't have to schedule it. And you won't have to set a clock. If I haven't given you enough alliterations, make up your own. That's half the fun anyways. The word of God is sweet. And there's so many things we could say about the Bible, about the Word of God. But I want to focus our attention in on that one bit this morning. The Word of God is sweet. You're in a Bible college. It's so easy for it to get, get old and tiresome, a duty. I've got to do this. I've got an assignment. I have to read Leviticus. Who was talking with me about Leviticus a few minutes ago? There we go. You know, once you start to understand what Leviticus is about, Leviticus is pretty cool. Of course, I'm an Old Testament teacher and I teach that stuff. The Word of God is sweet. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while you're here. Probably never again in your life will you get this much of the Word of God, as concentrated doses of the Word of God as you're getting right now. Revel in it. Roll in it. Soak it up.